Welcome back to Control the Chaos Mama podcast, where we do life and launch strategy for the ADHD entrepreneur and creative rebel. Today, we are talking with Patricia Sung. She is an ADHD educator and mom mentor, and she helps moms who have ADHD themselves get their crap together. I need that so that they can have more time to enjoy their kids. And she really is great at using strategies that embrace our ADHD brains instead of somehow pretending that we don't have one. And honestly, I think that this is like a a new thing. It's like embrace the way you are. I'm so excited to have you here. Hey, how are you? I'm so glad to have you here. I feel like what you're doing is really amazing. And I cannot wait to get all of your time hacks and management because I need them. Yeah. So today we're going to talk with you about really just picking your brain on figuring out how to hack our brains when it comes to time. I feel like time is this thing that just slips through my fingers and I want it. It's like this, it's like sand or something like, come on. And the thing is a lot of these processes or things I've tried in the past just haven't worked for me. And so I'm really excited to have some time management for my ADHD brain. So where do we start on this? And I'm also a rebel. So proceed with caution. We consider that as well. Don't worry. Yeah, I agree. It's like I had spent all this time learning from every guru I could and reading every book. And yet I would get to the end and be like, but it didn't work. Why didn't it work? These people have helped millions of people on this planet figure out a way to figure out their time. And yet here I am and I still, it didn't work. And I finally realized after many years that it was because I was learning from people with neurotypical brains and their neurotypical system. And my brain doesn't work like that. So you can have the best shiniest system from a neurotypical brain, but if it doesn't make sense, it's never going to work. As much as I pounded my head against the wall and did all the things to the T, it still didn't work because it didn't make sense to me. So I took all of these pieces that I had accumulated over the years and created a system that made sense to me. And not like I planned to teach a class on it. It was just me trying to figure out like, how do I make this work? Because while I had figured out how to run my life before kids, once I had kids, it was like a whole nother ball game. And a lot of those strategies didn't work anymore because now you're juggling so many more things. And I always say that like when you, every time you add a kid, it's not like plus that amount of responsibilities. It's like exponential. So like when you have three plus three is six, but if you have three times three, you now you have nine, like exponentially gets harder and harder and harder, the more people that you add into the mix. So when you get married or you're in a serious relationship, all of a sudden you have, it's not just your things plus your spouse's things or partner's things. Then all of a sudden you have both of your things. So it's really three piles of stuff you're managing. And then you add in a kid then you have things that you got to organize with your kid, things that you have to organize with your spouse. Plus we always try to manage our spouse and the kid, which never goes well. And all of a sudden you're juggling like 10 times what you were before and it didn't work. So (laughs) this is how the system was born sheerly because I needed it. And then when I realized, wow, I have actually stuck to this system for two years. It was like mind blowing. Like normally I would do something and then be like, there's surely a better system out there. And then I would try a new one and I'd buy a new planner and I'd buy another course and another book. And I was always trying to find this like unicorn that existed somewhere. And what I needed was the unicorn that I made for me. Yeah. I love that you basically said like, you're seeing all these things and instead of modifying yourself 
to fit into this mold, you decided to create your own. And I think that is one strength is that we are wayfinders, so to speak. So whenever it comes to owning what you know, and basically like creating your own mold, instead of just trying to fit into someone else's, like, how did you go about that? Maybe you can tell us a little bit about your story or how in the world you came to have even the confidence to go your own way. Cause really that is what it is. It's going your own way. Oh, I never thought about it that way. Thanks. I'm proud of myself now. I, you know, I really think it's part of it is just the, like when you put together all the experiences that I've had, it makes sense because I'm even from you take, I'm an oldest child. Like I'm just used to being in charge and being the bossy one and organizing things. And then I was a teacher formally before I had my kids, I taught middle school. So having that teaching background is like, I know that there is a way to teach anything to anyone when you figure out how they learn. That is one of the things that I prided myself on the most is I taught Spanish as a second language and I could get kids who had learning disabilities, who had zero interest in learning another language. Like I could get them all to learn. Now, maybe they aren't going to be fluent one day, but enough that if I can get a kid who's failed Spanish three times to pass the fourth time, Hey, that's pretty dang good. Like one, it's confidence. Like they are. So it sounds like you decided like it's working. So if you're looking at your time and you're like thinking, Oh, I'm always late. I'm like, I'm such a mess. It's like really changing your mindset around that because you're saying instead, like, there is a way I just have to find it. Right. Like you are Mm -hmm. like, find it, make it your own or tweak things, but like it is possible. And I think that confidence from that is like a really big way to start because you will get to any goal if you don't stop. Right. So you could just pivot or see what's working and what's not. And so I think that's a really big piece that a lot of people miss is they think that, that there's one way and it's the way, cause someone said it and maybe you liked them. Right. <laughs> and instead it's realizing like, we're actually all different. And so, um, just trying to find the pieces of it that appeal to you and your personality and who you are and, and maybe having the know-how and the, the confidence to change it if you can. And I think as ADHD is like one of our gifts is persistence that we have overcome so much in the time that we have been alive and all the times where things didn't go our way. A lot of times we look at that as we failed a lot, but in my opinion, like, yes, I I won't deny that we have failed a lot, but we kept going. We kept trying. We kept moving forward. Even if it took us a while, even if we took a break, even if we got knocked down pretty hard and sat there for a while, we keep going. We are overcomers. That's the story of having a learning disability, having mental health challenges that you continue to move forward, even when it's really, really difficult. So that to me is a gift that we have. So I always lean on my persistence. I am not a consistent person by any means. I, I think that people with ADHD should just throw the word consistent out the window because then we just beat ourselves up. And instead what we want to do is be persistent. So Even if you said, I'm going to go like an easy one is like, I'm going to go to the gym however many times this week. And you didn't, it doesn't matter that you didn't go three times this week. What matters is that today you're still going to try or tomorrow you're going to try again, because if you give up, then yeah, you're never going to get to the gym three times. But to me, if I at least got there once, that's better than last week when I didn't do it at all. So we don't have to do it perfectly and we don't have to do it how everyone else said. But the fact that we kept going 
that is a beautiful gift of ADHD. Yeah. It's like this art of becoming. And so, but we get impatient. We're just not very patient. So it's like, oh, you know, so we want to hurry up and get to the finish line, or maybe we get bored. So let's say that someone decides that they have the confidence of like, all right, I am going to get organized when it comes to our, my time, because there is this part of the reason why maybe we're not organized when it comes to our time is maybe because we have ADHD, right? But it's not necessarily an excuse because now we know this thing. So how can we use this information that we have in order to make a way that will fit our brains? And I know that you do some flexible structure for my wild mind. So let's dive right in and see. So how do we do that? But how is what I want to ask. (laughs) Yeah. So the first part of being successful with ADHD is learning about your brain. You have to understand not only how, like, how does ADHD function in and of itself, but then how does it affect you as a person? Everyone has their own flavor of ADHD. No one's ADHD is exactly the same. So how does it affect you in your day? There's going to be parts of ADHD that other people really struggle with and aren't as hard for you. And there's going to be parts where you see other people doing it, but that's really difficult for you. So understanding your brain and your specific recipe matters. So when you're looking at your time, we have to consider all of the ways that we're going to get off track as a mom, as a parent, like as a business owner, as someone with ADHD. And like, when I teach this in my class, like we talk about what are the things that are going to happen? Like, we know that our ADHD is going to get us off track during the day. We know it's a fact. If we're not going to expect ourselves to just magically wake up tomorrow and not have ADHD and not have any of these problems. What do we do about those problems though? So for example, if you know, like every day when we're going to the school bus, we have the same, like we always end up being 10 minutes late. It's like, well, if we look back at the morning, usually we are very good at picking up patterns and seeing things that aren't quote unquote there. We can find those like nuances in what's going on, but we usually don't stop to think about them. We don't have that white space in our day to go back and ponder it. Like we ruminate about how terrible it went, but we don't think about why, why did it go wrong? Where, where were the pieces that keep falling apart? Like, is it always that my eight-year-old cannot locate their shoes every dang day? It's like, okay, well, then what can we do to problem solve that? What, what can I put in place that solves the shoe problem so that we don't have that issue? Because I know it's going to happen. Or like, for example, my, for a while there after preschool, my, my, he's not four, but my three, when he was three, every time we'd leave preschool, there was a meltdown every single time when we got home. It's like, well, once I started writing down the pattern, I realized he was just really hungry. So we would either bring a snack in the car and I literally like hand this kid a granola bar as soon as he got into his car seat, or I knew that I had to have lunch waiting for him. So like, we literally like walked in the door, took your shoes off, wash your hands and ate that food. And if that couldn't happen, that's when we had, you know, granola bar backup. But I knew that this is what's going to happen. And I had a plan in place. So we avoided the meltdowns. Like it, I mean, literally it was, it was like every day after preschool. And when we, I solved that like riddle, it was like, you know, once a month that we were having that issue. So when we look back at those patterns that we know we are going to have, then we can start to like, like, like our brains are so good at problem solving. Then mm-hmm. we can problem solve those solutions for like your particular life. Because what works for me, having a four and a six-year-old is not going to work with some, like someone who has teenagers. 
But that's not to say that you can't apply the same system and figure out what makes sense for you and your family. Yeah. Cause even if I am a rebel, I still am likely to, like I resist habits, but they are helpful. And also, and, and everyone around us, like in my household, even they're probably automatically going to a certain cue or something that they're used to, you know? And so he's probably like, I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. Also, I think we are, we are our kids safe space. I feel like sometimes they just like melt yes. when they, they finally right. can. They held it together exactly. the whole time at preschool. Yeah. And now they are done. Which as you were talking, I was even thinking about how we could use that same idea around being an entrepreneur, because how many times do we like start a new project or a new system or something like that? And we almost get surprised that we have bumps in the road, like almost like, did you think it was going to be perfect? You know, did you think there weren't going to be any parts of that, that that new thing, brand new thing that you were going to do that weren't going to get in your way? It's kind of like realizing that it's going to happen. So how can I prepare for it? And then whenever we let it shut us down, I think that is a form of self-sabotage. Like we're trying to hold Mm -hmm. ourselves into a certain section instead of grow. And which I think a lot of people are working on, but it's kind of, or I am like to where it's doing that pause that you mentioned, like, and so how do you recommend that we do that? Do you journal or do you like have a actual quiet moment in your day where you are thinking about these things or like, you know, how, when do you do that? Or how would you think that looks like? So, I mean, it's, it'll look different for everyone. Some people really are into journaling and some people do like to do like quiet time in the morning where they can have that space. For me, what helped a lot was just in the moment, like whenever the doo-doo is hitting the fan is to jot down a couple of notes right then. Like, I mean, obviously after the, you know, once we got the the meltdown sorted out, but like right then, mm-hmm. write down a few thoughts so that it was fresh on what, like what occurred so that I could start to see the patterns. Because one of the things with ADHD is that, you know, our, the way we remember things back isn't always all of the details. And then we start doubting ourselves like, well, did I remember that correctly? Well, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the one who's the problem. So if you can write down those notes right then and then, yeah, having a designated time where, you know, it's going to be quiet to ponder those things. And it can be as simple as like waiting in the carpool line after school or waiting for your kid to finish Taekwondo lessons. Like it doesn't have to be like this Zen moment where you light candles and ponder your life (laughs) and get out your journal for an hour. It doesn't have to be like that. Like it can fit in mom life, in entrepreneur life, in those little cracks and crevices. Cause even thinking about a problem for five minutes is going to help your brain sit on it. I like to call it marinating. It's like, once you bring attention to it in your mind, you kind of like tuck it in the back and your brain kind of sits on it. And those are the things that pop up when you're like in the shower or all of a sudden, you know, you wake up at 3 a.m. Like, oh, I got yeah, you answer. can't sleep because you're like, oh right. my gosh, I just realized I have all these ideas. <laughs> yeah. And like, it, but if you purposely, like, I know this is going to sound kind of goofy, but it's like, if you tell your brain, brain, I need you to think on this problem. Our brains are brilliant problem solvers. And they, and as you develop that skill, like you will see those things pop up. So you can literally say, I'm only going to spend three minutes or however long I'm sitting in this carpool line or, you know, waiting for piano lessons. And that is an, that is enough. It doesn't have to be some fancy pants, perfect scenario. It can fit in the life that you have. 
Well, and then it, it leaves room for you to be able to problem solve it and juggle a little. So say I go to the gym and then afterwards I come back thinking that we're going to have lunch and then I'm going to go work, right? And like a work block type thing. Well, that might not work because maybe my toddler and it kind of, you know, wants the attention and to play and all that. So, right. but if I juggle that around and maybe go to the park, which we've been doing a lot mm-hmm. to where it's like, all right, I filled your tire tank. <laughs> like we're going to come home right. eat lunch and then you're going to rest while I get some work done, you know? So it's kind of realizing kind of where the weak spots are, as well as, like you said, like being a it's kind of like detective work, <laughs> like figuring out it is. Hmm, where is it breaking down? And, and I also heard you say this, which I think is important that like, it's not autom- automatically always our fault as the right. mom, as the, you know, one in charge and stuff like that. So probably even taking that off the plate, you know, like there doesn't have to be blame. <laughs> so yeah, I love that. All right. So now we know kind of where the weak spots are and, and what it looks like. What's the next step? So step two is for being successful with ADHD is putting on your oxygen mask first. So you have to take care of you. And that means when you look at your time is creating a framework that makes sense for your life. So it's a a flexible structure. It's not set in stone. We're not sitting here and saying at a precisely 1102, we are going to begin our work block and we are going to work for seven minutes on email. And then we're going to stop. Like that doesn't work for our brain. Our brain isn't going to like minute by minute count things. If Um, you can write an email in seven minutes and send it and have all that, then please let me know. Cause y'all ain't got an email for me in a long time. And that's why. (laughs) But that's what we feel like when we say time management, we think we have to schedule out every minute and account for like every detail. And in some ways, yes, our brains need more detail, but it doesn't have to be rigid. It's not like a prison. You are not confined by the system that you set up. Your system is there to serve you. It is your tool. And if it's not serving you and it feels like a hindrance and it feels like it's suffocating you, then it's not helping you. That's not the point. That's not why we create a system. The whole point is to serve you and what you need. So you need to create something that makes sense to your life. So creating that flexible structure and also learning the skill of prioritizing, which our brains don't do automatically. It's just not something that most of us were were born with. And so learning, how do I prioritize? How do I figure out what really matters in terms of like today, in terms of the morning, how do I know what really makes sense? Like, what do I need to do right now? That part is something that's a learned skill for us. So figuring that out. And for everyone that's going to look different, again, like that's why I created this class to like make sense for you because the way that, like you were saying earlier about, you know, with your toddler, it's like, if you don't spend time with them after the gym and fill up that tank, you're never going to get anything done in the afternoon because they need that love and attention. But if you spend that 20 or 30 minutes together, sometimes even 10 minutes with your kid on something that's truly focused, like one-on-one, then they feel important and they're happy to go, you know, play with Legos by themselves for a while. But it's a matter of figuring out how that fits your day, because how you're going to set up your day with a toddler is a lot different than how you're going to set up your day with, you know, elementary school kids. Well, and the difference that I'm finding um, with what you're talking about is that it's owning that you actually do have control, like what the hell this day goes, it all depends on you. So whether that's 
and that's not even based on all the the task getting done and all the doing and all that but even like the joy the play the fun and all that it's really dependent on how you decide that it's going to happen or that it's going to work and then having that flexible thinking which sometimes can be really hard realizing you know that like stop and pivot whenever you have something in your head that you like this is what's going to get done today And, and I felt that before too, almost like this resentment a little bit, like I want to just do this thing and I can't because of motherhood. Mm -hmm. And so it can be kind of in the way a little bit, but really it's kind of, I think almost even thinking like, well, why are you doing that? The thing, like, why are we even doing our work? Partly it's because we want the freedom, the control or the, the like time to play right with our kids or like, you know what I mean? Sometimes it usually goes back. To them. I like, like, this is part of the prioritization of a mom. Like you just had to pause and, and deal with kids for a second. And like, that's part of being a mom and running a business or being a mom and homeschooling or being a mom and whatever else you do, or just being a mom. It's like, we are constantly being interrupted, quote unquote, interrupted all day long. And that is very hard for our brains, but that is also part of the job is the interruption. So learning to plan your day around that makes it so much more, it's just easier to deal with because it's, it is hard for our brains. Like our brains don't do well with flexibility. Sometimes they don't do well with transitions. They don't do well. when we like have to stop and pause and then pivot back again. That's really hard for us. But when we go in with a plan, knowing that that's how it's going to go, then you can start to put together the pieces of your day where you know, like, these are the things that have to get done today. And these are the things that I can let go. So when like somebody all of a sudden vomits, you already know going in, this stuff has to get done. This is nice to get done. And this is like lovely dreamland that probably isn't going to happen in motherhood. Like once you know what it is you have to work with, it's so much easier to make a decision. Plus you can then pivot faster because you already know like, okay, I have to get these things done. If I have to shove something to the side, I know I'm jettisoning this thing over here, but it makes it so much easier to deal with. And then you don't feel resentful to your kids. And you're like, well, I literally, I do my job so that I can like provide for my kids, but here I am being mad at them that they're ruining the thing that I do for them. And all of a sudden you're- Yeah, and for them being kids. So it's like- You're you're beating yourself and them up for something that was an unrealistic expectation in the first place. And like, don't mind me. I'm just going to point out that like, I'm preaching to myself here too, because the same thing I'm like, you know, my my kids do the same thing to me and I'm like, (laughs) but I mean, that's like, that is part of being a mom. Yeah, I I kind of call that the good, better, best list. It's kind of this idea of, we figure like it's not just one way or not like, you know, so let's say that we know that what, what to expect when it comes to maybe possible distractions, maybe we even learn more about ourselves and realize, okay, I'm going to have difficulty, like maybe moving from task to task. So maybe I use that to have larger chunks of tasks, or maybe I realize that I need to like how I, I mentioned to you, like how I kind of will make myself have deadlines because I have, I want to get to a certain um, class at the gym or something. So I know I need to leave. So, I mean, I'll almost be racing myself, right? Like I'm racing myself, but what other hacks do you have or tips? I know you have one more step that you wanted to mention as well, but in, in like the tacticals of like, but what, how do I do it? Or what do I, where do I start? So I have kind of this mindset of what I want to do, what I need so that I can put my mask on, so to speak, or fill my cup and then have gauge my expectations. But now what do I do in terms of trying to, cause I hate the word balance. I really do. I have a whole podcast episode, about it. 
but I do like the word centered because like you filled your cup, like you have your basics good, and then you can kind of move outward because once you're good here, then you can add more, but kind of that uh, discernment of knowing when to say no to something that you normally would say, yes, yes, yes. What other things do you have in terms of a tip that could help us to, to make it all work? So, okay. So we did, so we did step one is like learning about your brain and your ADHD and figuring out how, how does it fit you and your mom life and your business, whatever, whatever flavor of family you have. And then two is the putting on your oxygen mask first of like, you have to take care of yourself. So how do you, how does this work for you? Like, how do you set up something that's going to be successful for you? How do you take care of you? And then the third part is asking for help which we are pretty terrible at, but we have to get a support system in place. We have to figure out how we can get other people involved, even when we don't want to, like, it is literally not possible for you to be a parent right now, especially in this like pandemic time and do it all by yourself. It's just not possible. So how are you going to lighten your load? And that's either by saying no to things or asking for help there really aren't a whole lot of other ways to have less on your plate is that somebody's got to do it. So is it you or is it somebody else? Or are you just not doing it? Those are really the only options. So when you're talking about like, like how do I actually lighten my load? It comes down to like taking a, a real good look at like, is this something I have to do? Like, do I really need to do this? Does this really matter to me? And it is really hard for us to say no once we've said yes to something, but at least going forward, we can say no to other things and understanding the concept that every time we say yes to something, we're saying no to something automatically because you, there is just a limit to what can get done. So how are you using that purposefully? What are you using your yes for that really matches what you want in your family? And then if you are going to say yes to it, like, how can we get that off our plates? Can a partner take it over? Can your spouse take it over? Can your kids take that over? If it's something that you can outsource, who can you hire to do that job? Can you barter with a neighbor? Can you trade with a friend? There are a bazillion ways to have other people do things and it doesn't have to cost money. Yes, some things cost money, but it doesn't have to. And that's one of the beauties of our ADHD brain is that we're really good problem solvers. And we can usually find some kind of out of the box solution to getting that thing done. Like, for example, it can be as simple as like, I've accepted that I am never going to have a concept of time. Like I've, I've just let it go. And to me, like time management doesn't mean that I understand time better. I've just accepted like, this is not where we're at. Like, this is not a gift of mine. It doesn't matter how much I try to understand time. If you put me in a room and came back a little while later and said, Patricia, how long have you been here? I would have no clue. I just don't know. I like that internal clock is not there for me. So that looks like when I'm trying to judge how long something takes, I will ask my husband and say, okay, here's what I think we need. Like for, say we're going to the airport. Here's what I think this is enough time. Is this right? And being okay with saying to someone that you, obviously that you trust and you feel safe with of, is this a realistic expectation? Most of the time, the answer is no, <laughs> it's not usually a, like a reasonable expectation, but in him 
walking me through that, I can see, oh, okay, here's where I forgot to account for this or that. And then I can start to accumulate that into my process, but I'm never going to expect myself to understand time. But I can ask somebody who is good with time and say, is 45 minutes a realistic expectation to leave the house and get to school on time? And my husband will look at me and be like, no, that's crazy. You're never going to get out the door in 45 minutes. So that's a way that you can ask for help that isn't like a monumental thing. But a lot of times we're so used to being wrong and screwing things up that we're scared to ask for that help and admit that we don't know how to do something because we've spent our whole life masking and pretending like we knew what we were doing when we had no clue. So I was thinking like, so you could ask for help for someone that you trust, but what about... Do you think it's a good rule to maybe just like three X the time? Do you know what I mean? Like, or some sort of, all right. So you think you're going to get this done. Obviously there's the idea of micro tasking or breaking it up. So if you have on there, you know, people always say your top three things you're going to get done today. Well, are those top three things really like 15? Cause if it's record a podcast, it's, is that really record a podcast? It's probably not. It's probably like, you know, like research what I want to talk about and find my notes and, you know, like go track down my mic from the 12 year old that steals it all the time. Or, you know what I mean? Like getting all these things together before, like, what are the steps before you actually hit record? Cause recording a podcast can be like 20 minutes. Right. You know? And so I think that's probably why some of those shortcuts, like I do allow it to be okay that I record from my phone sometimes. Cause that is just Mm -hmm. the button, you know? Right. So And that's with, as you said, like kind of knowing who I am. I mean, it depends on you personally. Like there are some people who will, who can record like their time. They actually time themselves and see what their guess was compared to what it actually was. And they'll see, like, if you, if you check yourself for like a day or two, that you'll see the pattern that generally speaking, I'm about, I need to say like, it's really one and a half times that, but like, I am realistic to know that I'm never going to remember to record my time. Mm-hmm. So like when I think about like, I'm going to get this project done, probably just three picturing the timer in- going on forever. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're like, Oh, look, I've been doing this for four and a half hours or just years. Kidding. I don't know. Would yeah, I ever like- look at it again? <laughs> so like, yeah, generally speaking, I think three, three X is a good ballpark because we don't account for all the other stuff. We're just like, I'm just going to record a podcast. And we're like, yeah, that's 20 minutes, but we don't think about the setup, like the outline um, testing it and then realizing, oh, wait, I forgot to feed my kid a snack. Hold on. There's 15 minutes. Let me go do that. Like we don't account for any of that stuff. But as you are aware of that, you can start to see the pattern of, oh, right. I always forget the prep part and I need to account for that. Or like for me, like if you're going to run it like to an appointment, I always forget the part of like, I account for drive time and I account for like, like what time I need to be there, but I don't account for like putting on shoes, getting our bags, Mm -hmm. water bottles. I don't remember those steps, but I know that if I, like, if I'm doing it in a hurry, will not account for those things. But that's part of like what I teach is that you have these like, like planning time set out in your day. And again, like that time might be different for you. Some people are going to plan the morning, some people plan at night, but you have this planning time where you sit back and take 15 minutes and look at your day for the next day. And you realize like when you're like out of the situation, you'll remember like, oh, right. I just thought I was going to time warp into the building. I need to add in that extra 10 minutes of navigating the parking garage. But in the moment, like we don't think of those things. 
two of the things that I, I do almost every day is that at the beginning of the day, I always give myself some buffer space before I plan anything. So I try not to schedule anything that's really early in the morning, even though I'm up super early. Cause like my first grader has school at 7:20, So we're oh up, gosh, but I don't plan like doing things in the morning because I know I need time for my brain to get going. I am not going to plan an eight o'clock anything. I'm not going to the doctor at 8am. Like I want to, my rule is 9am is the earliest I will schedule something because I need time to like get moving and get going. My brain needs that like rev up time before it can tackle things. So I do the opposite. Like there's this book called, um, eat the frog where you're supposed to do like the hardest thing first. That's not how my brain works. I need to do some little things like that are like mundane and like making breakfast and like throwing in some laundry. And like, once I'm moving, then I can tackle hard things. But if I haven't gotten moving, then I'm not tackling hard things. So like, that's one thing where I always give myself extra time in the morning. And then I also leave out some space at the, like, like before dinner time to catch up because I know that I poorly estimated multiple things during my day. I keep like a space in the afternoon where I don't plan anything because I know that I will always be behind schedule. I'm going to need to fill in that time with whatever project I thought was going to take me 20 minutes, but took me 45 minutes. Like I need that time there. So I leave a space in the afternoon to account for my poor planning. Yeah. Well, it's giving you a buffer. It's letting you be human. And I I know that there's some people also that do that with their week. So it's like, and that's kind of a dopamine reward driver for us. Say we don't plan anything on Friday. So in my mind, it's like, oh, so if I get these things done that I have realistically planned, then on Friday, I have like this, whatever I want to do day or whatever. And you know what, if I don't, maybe I um, don't intentionally like make a home for my phone when I want to get stuff done. Or mm-hmm. I've noticed I'll like, I'll put it on a show, but it's on, it's not the act of the show. It is that my phone is used. So then I'm not touching it. <laughs> so it is there, but it's like, otherwise I will yeah. touch the phone. So like all of these things, but being intentional around when I'm trying to get stuff done. So I don't like automatically touch it. Then maybe mm-hmm. I will get that reward day, but if not, I might have to catch up. Right. And do that. Yeah. I do think that we need to make sure we give ourselves the reward day because a lot of us won't. We'll just like filter, yeah. you know, like roll it back in. So that's part of the process is when you see those patterns and you realize that, hey, every time my reward day rolls around, I'm still not done with what needed to be done. Then that normally does not cue us. But when you get into the pattern of looking back and being like, okay, well, I'm clearly trying to do too much earlier. I've got to adjust my expectations in order to actually have that extra time. So it's almost like when I'm planning, sometimes I'll think I'll get like, well, remember that one time. Cause you know, we're, we, I have right. evidence. I have evidence that I can build this giant website from till 5am and, and right. all this crazy stuff. But it's like, but that was in a hyper focus. And it's like, I'm right. trying, you know, or am I judging it based on that? So I wonder if that's why our body does it because we have done it before, but no one can sustain that. That's like crazy town. <laughs> that's right. like- it's not sustainable to live in that hyper-focused mode. And also like, it's not usually a like 
call uponable. No, it's totally not reliable. So it's not like I can be like, it's cool. I'm just going to turn the hyper-focus button on that day and knock it all out. Like, but we do, we have this idealized version of what we think the day is going to look like and what we can get done and how our kids aren't going to have any issues and everything's going to go great. And I'm going to be so productive. And we expect ourselves to have this like miracle day that we get once a year to happen every single day. And when you know that you're being ridiculously over-optimistic in the way that you're planning your day, then you can start to adjust. But we have to get through that awareness stage. Like that's a lot of what we work through in my class because we are like, we are beautifully optimistic people. And that's like one of our most endearing qualities. But we also have to account for that when we think we're going to wake up and have a unicorn day every day. And that's not possible. So we we work through all that so that we can set a realistic expectation because yeah, I, we wish we could have a unicorn day every day. I just thought of the, uh, the TikTok. you know, how the, the bones are no bones day where the guy, he has a dog and it's like the dog just flops down on some days. He's like, Oh, it's a no bones day. It's time to relax. Or like he holds him up and he like stands strong. Well, that's a day you're going to get stuff done. And it's kind of like yeah. even bones has a no bones day. All right. Like give yourself yeah, some and grace. Especially for women, like our cycles have a huge impact. Like mm-hmm. you talk about this a lot with cycles. And it's like, you think you're going to have this crazy productive day. And all of a sudden your cycle starts two days early and now you have no energy. So we want to create that into our flexible structure is that if I'm having a day where I feel like doo-doo, what am I going to do about it? Like, how do I adjust so that I'm not beating myself up? What's my backup plan on how I'm going to rearrange my week to still get done those things that I have determined have to get done, but yet honoring my body on the days where it needs rest. Yeah. I think that that is a, is a lot of times what, where we fall short because we're not giving ourselves grace. And instead we go in the downward spiral of, Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm horrible. I suck. Like, why am I even doing this? Like I, you know, and then it's, and then we lose confidence and then it's, it's just a spiral and that maybe we quit and start something new. I don't know all the things, all the feelings, emotional regulation, all that comes into play. I feel like you've given us so much to figure out how to build some flexible structure, time management hacks without it being feeling like a prison, because as a creative rebel, sometimes the other, some of the other ways I've heard can feel very restrictive or like, I don't have control. So this whole idea that you actually can have control by doing some of these flexible structures and having that really the control to be able to direct it however you want is something that is actually empowering versus constricting as some of the other programs. So if someone wants to find you or how can they learn more about your class, where would they do that at? So you can find me at motherhood in ADHD everywhere. So that's my website. So you can find the podcast and there I have my courses. If you want the shortcut, it's bit.ly forward slash ADHD mama, all lowercase letters. And I teach two different classes. So we have daily planning, which helps you with the basics of like your calendar and your to-do list. And once you have that foundation in place, that's when you would go to time management mastery for ADHD moms. And that's where we dig into like, how do you actually make a flexible schedule that makes sense for you for the stage that you're in? But the beauty of it is that when you learn those like basic tenants and the rules of like, this makes sense for me and this doesn't you can then modify it for every stage. So as your kids grow, when you hit, you know, back to school versus summertime, or you hit the vacation times, you can modify it because you have the skills to make the schedule work for you. So it's really beautiful. I'm just, I'm so excited to 
teach moms this, like to see their face and be like, this can be done. And there's people like me out here. It's just, it's beautiful. And our class has a support group that we meet every Wednesday for 30 minutes. And it is just such an amazing time to be in a group of women that get how you function. And it's such an amazing community of women that are all there cheering each other on and just knowing you're not alone is like gold. So um, yeah, motherhood and ADHD website, podcast, Instagram, wherever you want to find. I love that. And I feel like really at our core, everyone wants to feel seen, heard and, and knowing that they're not alone. So I think that that's really great. Everything you're doing in the world. So keep it up. And I just want to tell all of you until next time, wishing you joy and abundance, Angel.